Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup. All things impacting global supply chains this week. Trans-Pacific Ocean rates have returned to the 2019 levels, according to Container News. There was a drive, if you remember, and surge in demand during the pandemic and extremely high prices in 2021 and 2020. The rates have stabilised for West Coast container costs at 2019 levels for about a month. And the prices on the East Coast of the US are just 12% higher than in December 2019. Demand and congestion has eased. So some good news at the start of 2023. Additionally, Asia-Europe rates have fallen 50% in the past six weeks, but they still remain 30% higher than in 2019, as blanked sailings increase. And there's congestion and some recent labour disruptions having an effect slowing operations. Carriers are expected to blank about half of all scheduled ex-Asia sailings for the months after the Lunar New Year. Some of the Asian manufacturers have chosen to close for the holiday period, and that's causing a sag in demand also. The easing COVID restrictions in China is also contributing to more workers being absent through sickness, so it'll be interesting to see what plays out in the next few weeks. Amazon have announced 18,000 redundancies. They're getting rid of 18,000 roles as part of a workforce reduction, according to a statement made by the chief executive, Andy Jassy, in a staff note on Wednesday. The redundancies will occur, or the layoffs will occur, in the company's e-commerce and human resources organisations. The cuts amount to 6% of Amazon's 300,000-person corporate workforce, and represent a downturn for the retailer which recently doubled its base pay ceiling to compete more aggressively for talent. Amazon has more than 1.5 million workers, including warehouse staff, which makes it America's second largest private employer after Walmart. The stock rose on this news by 1.8% to $86.71. A spokesperson in London for the trade union GMB said it was aware of the job cuts, but that its members will not be affected by the plans. Members at the Coventry Warehouse that belong to the union are planning to stage a walkout on January 25th over a pay row with the e-commerce giant. The Sud Union in France has also said the plans will not affect the company's Amazon Logistique France. And in Spain, the largest trade union, CCOO, criticised What he said was a local lack of information from the company. We don't know if it will affect Spanish workers. We can assume that this is a first step, preceding layoffs in the rest of operations, not just the corporate workforce, but we don't have any official data. Jassy said that the uncertain economy and difficulties have meant that they've had to take this step. Amazon had been recruiting quite aggressively until very recently and competing for talent. So it looks like this is a signal of some lower growth on the horizon because of all the uncertainty. 
Amazon began letting staff go in November from its devices division, and at that time, they were said to be looking for 10,000 cuts. The tech industry has shed more than 150,000 workers in 2022, and the numbers continue to grow. UK car sales have hit a 30-year low in 2022, but according to the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, SMMT, it could grow in 2023 by 15%. British new car sales fell to the lowest since 1992, and this is due to the pandemic, which caused manufacturers to struggle with parts, various shortages, and supply chain problems. The SMMT said, according to preliminary figures, British new car registrations fell 2% to 1.61 million last year, and that's about 700,000 units below the pre-pandemic totals in 2019. The global auto industry has struggled with shortages of parts over the last two years, and particularly, as you will know if you've listened to Chain Reaction in the past, it's uh, semiconductor chips that caused a lot of the problems with manufacturing in the automobile industry. They expect things to recover this year, and fully electric or battery electric vehicles, EVs and BVEVs, made up 16.6% of sales in 2022, up from 116 in 2021. And that figure is forecast to remain buoyant. 22% of any manufacturer's car sales must be BEVs starting in 2024 in the United Kingdom. And that's because of the zero-emission vehicle targets. Volkswagen and Bentley won't have BEV models until 2025. Be interesting to see if those targets remain as difficulties in the economy grow. Tesla car sales fell to the lowest level in five months. Tesla suspended production at its Shanghai plant, its most productive manufacturing hub, from December the 24th to January the 2nd, as part of the output reduction efforts. Tesla shares dropped 5%. In morning trading on Thursday, the stock has lost more than 70% of its value since its peak in November 2021. For the whole of 2022, the automaker delivered 50% more vehicles produced in its Shanghai plant compared with 2021. Globally, electric vehicle maker deliveries rose by 40% last year, missing CEO Elon Musk's 50% annual target. But that was due to problems in production, similar to other automakers with parts and semiconductor shortages. Tesla delivered 55,796 China-made electrical vehicles in December, which is the lowest level in five months, according to data from the China Passenger Car Association on Thursday. That's a 44% drop from November and 21% fewer than a year earlier, as the US automaker reduced output, cut prices and tried to deal with rising inventories. Demand overall for the car is weaker. Dell, the computer manufacturer, is looking to phase out China-made chips by 2024. And it's told suppliers to reduce the amount of other made-in-China components in its products. This is because of concerns over US-Beijing tensions. The United States has added the Chinese memory chip maker YMTC and 21 major companies in the country's artificial intelligence chip sector to a trade blacklist in December, 
one of Dell's competitors, has also started taking a look at its supplies to see whether they're going to move production and assembly away from China too. Dell has asked production assemblers and suppliers of other components, such as electronic modules and the printed circuit boards, to look to capacity beyond China in places such as Vietnam. Dell just made a statement that says, We continuously explore supply chain diversification across the globe that makes sense for our customers and our business. So they see this as nothing unusual. But of course, some of us observers might see it differently. Oil prices fell by 9% in the first two trading days of the year. They bounced back by 2% on Thursday after previously posting the biggest loss for the start of the year in three decades. US data shows lower fuel inventories providing support and economic concern regarding capping gains. The big declines in the previous two days were driven by worries about global recession and the short-term economic outlook that the world's two biggest oil consumers, the United States and China, both look weak. Brent crude futures were up to $1.31, or 1.7% to $79.15 a barrel, at 11.20 EST, or 16.20 GMT, on Thursday. Russia is sending more oil produced in the Arctic to China and India and it's offering steeper discounts after Europe slammed its doors shut on Russian supplies last month. Arctic grades Arco, Arco Novi and Varende do not normally head east, but they're now finding a new home after the European Union, G7 nations and Australia introduced a price cap of $60 on Russian oil in December, and that's on top of an EU embargo on Russian crude by sea. The Russian oil is being sold at much bigger discounts as they absorb higher shipping costs. These Arctic crudes normally go to the EU. Exports have steadily increased to India since May, with a record 6.67 million barrels loaded in November and 4.1 million barrels in December. Refinitive data shows most of the supplies were Arco, Arco Novi port, produced at fields operating by Gazprom. Some retail news coming in from the UK says that the early signs are that UK retailers exceeded expectations at Christmas. Some of the large fashion and clothing retailers did quite well. Next was up 8%. Primark owner AB Foods was up 3%. Clothes and grocery chain Marks and Spencer traded up 5%. JD Sports, online fashion retailer, ASOS and electrical retailer Curry's were all up around 3%. B&M, which is a discount seller, toys to frozen goods, garden furniture, posted 6% rise in comparable Christmas sales. And Greg's, the bakery store whose snacks and coffees are cheaper than many rivals, said that sales were up 18% in the period. The British Aldi stores said that December sales were up 26% compared to the previous year, which is a sign, of course, that the cost of living is biting and many consumers are switching away from some of the traditional supermarket brands to the discount market brands such as Aldi and Lidl. Lidl were also 
up over the period. Food inflation is said to be about 14.4% year-on-year, although some dispute about that. Some people say it's 13.3%. British Retail Consortium said it was 13.3%, but market research data from Kantar says it's 14.4%. I'm inclined to believe the higher figure. People shopping across the Christmas period, the footfall went up by about 5.8% from November and up 9.9% compared to 2021, according to Springboard. Nexter said it expects sales to fall by around 2% during 2023, despite the positive outlook at Christmas. That's because of recession, inflation and other economic difficulties likely to occur in 2023. It's not all good news for retailers though, even the good ones, even the ones doing well, such as Aldi. Aldi have been forced to delay one and cancel eight special buy products, and this is all because of supply chain difficulties. Aldi apologised to consumers, citing global shipping disruptions among the many reasons for the cancellation of some of the items. They've obviously advertised them in the weekly magazine, but they haven't been available. Aldi's Middle Isle special buyers go on sale every Thursday and Sunday, and they have quite a mix of products, and they're usually really good value. Aldi say they're working hard to get the products available as soon as possible. Some of the cancelled products are things such as duvet sets, exercise bikes and fitness trackers. Christmas sales at Aldi... As we said, up 26%, around £1.4 billion in December for the first time. A a very successful retailer, but uh, even the best have their supply chain problems. UK grocery sales reached a record total of £12.8 billion in December, with year-on-year growth of 9.4%. And that's the fastest growth since February 2021. The market leaders, Tesco, Sainsbury's and Asda, all delivered well, with sales on a value basis up 6%, 6.2% and 6.4% respectively, over the 12 weeks to December the 25th. Morrison's had its best performance since June 2021, and the data from Kantar said that traditional grocers captured most Christmas purchases. Two-thirds of the spend went to Tesco's, Sainsbury, Asda and Morrison's. Morrison's sales fell by 2.9%, but had their best performance since June 2021. Aldi is the fastest-growing retailer, up 27%, according to Cantor. That's a rounded-up figure. Remember, I said 26% earlier on, but it's 27 if you round it up. And its market share is up to 9.1%, up from 7.7% last year. Little sales also jumped by 24% and moved its market share by nearly one percentage point to 7.2%. Iceland increased its sales by 10.2% and frozen poultry was the big winner for them during this period, along with frozen prepared food. Iceland's market share is 2.5%. Other stores such as the co-op, has 5.6%, Waitrose 4.7%, Ocado increased sales by 8.2%. Now inflation is top priority for governments and central banks, 
but there's some data out on food inflation. And food inflation has risen significantly in the past year in both Europe and the United States. And food inflation, according to the British Retail Consortium, is running at 13.3%. Those are the figures just out. In the United States, it's 16.5%. But of course, that hides lots of particular food lines and food products which are rising at a much faster rate than 13.3%. There are some food lines that are going at up to 30% and some at 20%. And there's some running at 2 3 5%. So it's misleading just to look at the average, but it's an indicator, of course, that 13.3% uh, is not good because that's why everybody's on strike. It's part of the cost of living problem. And, of course, the shortage of supply has been a problem, but now what we have is falling demand. One of the key statistics to fall out of the British Retail Consortium figures was the fact that volumes are falling, but the values are rising. So that means that people are actually buying less, but paying more. And that seems to be fairly consistent across the board. I looked at some ordinary food products, sort of things I buy, and I was intrigued to find that uh, there's a particular sweet I quite like in a packet, and the grammage on that sweet has fallen significantly. It's gone from an 100 gram packet to just 74 grams, and it's doubled in price. So, so I won't be buying that particular sweet anymore, it's far too expensive. I'll look for an alternative supply, or cut out sweets altogether, keep my teeth in good order. So there's lots of things like that happening where sizes of packages are falling and prices are going up as well. So you got both. Another interesting statistic from the British Retail Consortium was on the switch of people to value supermarkets. So Aldi and Lidl have done particularly well. Aldi was up at Christmas by about 27%, Lidl about 24%, and the rest of the supermarkets are down the pack. So... Big changes in the way people shop and buy for households. And I think that's going to be a big change in 2023. Just a quick reminder. Don't forget to catch up on any episode you've missed during this busy Christmas and festive season that's been with us. You might have missed a few of the episodes that came out and you might want to catch up. So now's the time. Get ahead in 23. Well, that's it for the news roundup this week. And I hope you have a really good 2023 ahead of you. And I hope things improve during this year. I'll be back next week with another news roundup. And let's hope we get some good news then to share. But for now, I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. 
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains, and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.